0: I sure hope that you have enjoyed the sun. You know, the last few days, isn't that great to see it? Uh, I enjoyed it as well until uh, I realized that my face had not been in it for like six months. And I spent five hours in Missoula, you know, uh, yesterday. And so if I'm a little brighter today than normal, well, then now you know why. Hey, uh, in case you're new with us, today we uh, finish up our series called A Christian Atheist. And I want to kind of catch some of you up just really briefly uh, so that we can kind of jump into today. Uh, a Christian atheists are people who believe in God, but they live as if he doesn't exist. It sounds like kind of an oxymoron. And well, it actually is. Uh, Titus chapter one, the Bible would say it this way. Such people claim that they know God, but they deny him by the way that they live. That's what would be the Bible's version of what a Christian atheist looks like. And so in week one, we talked about a Christian atheist would say, I believe in God, but I don't know him personally. In other words, I believe in God. In other words, you might be informed about God, but you've never been really transformed by him. Uh, then the next week, we talked about people who are Christian atheists say, I believe in God, but I actually do not fear him. Now we're talking about a healthy fear. In fact, Trevor spoke that week and he defined fear of God this way. Uh, Loving God plus respecting God equals fearing God. Uh, Then last week, you know, we talked about uh, a Christian atheist is one who says, I believe in God, but I don't want to go overboard. In other words, I want to go to church once in a while, pray, you know, maybe accept Christ, you know, but that's about it. Don't make me go overboard or beyond what I'm comfortable with. And so as you're processing that, just for a second, think about anything uh, that you care about that you've invested yourself into and that you've found success. And what do you find as some common denominators, what do you find, you know, uh, that really, really works? Like, like, for example, if you have a good business, okay, if you excel in business, uh, it's going to adjust your priorities in life. It will take commitment. It'll take time, take focus. It'll take risk, sacrifice, perseverance. To be good at business, it's going to cost you something. Uh, if you want to have, or if you're finding yourself in a good marriage, it doesn't just happen on its own. Uh, as much as Hollywood would like to tell us that it just the forever, the happily ever after, no, it actually, actually takes some intentionality. Uh, You're going to have to adjust your priorities in order to have a great marriage. It's going to take commitment, focus, sacrifice, and even risk. It's going to cost you something. Find a similarity between the two. Uh, Maybe think about your favorite interest or hobby, right? Something that you really put your time and you're really good at. Well, one of the reasons that you're really good and you find success is because it took time, commitment, focus, risk, sacrifice. It's going to cost you something. Now, you see the similarities in all these things, which is why the greater the thing that you aspire to or put yourself behind in life, the more it's going to cost you those things in order to get there, which is why it shouldn't surprise us when Jesus says these words about what it means to be a follower of his in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. If any of you wants to be my follower, in other words, if any of you say, I believe in God or I'm a Christian or I'm a disciple, here's the things you must do. You must give up your way of life, give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. What Jesus is saying is that this doesn't happen when it comes to Christianity. It's a surrendered life, it's a better life, he promises, a more abundant one. And we're surprised because many people in this room grew up with the, well, I just thought Christianity was you pray a prayer. Uh, you believe in God, you come to church every once in a while, maybe you pray at meal times, uh, you attend uh, more than a couple times a month, you might even throw a few bucks in the offering plate from time to time. And that's what it means to be a follower of Christ. And Jesus says, no, 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 it's far more than that. Uh, In fact, I want to encourage you uh, to join us this next week as we kick off a brand new series called, Jesus is the Answer for Everything. Now that sounds a little presumptuous and I know there's already jokes that's being made, you know, even right now as you process that. But the, for the premise is we're gonna go through a book in the New Testament called Colossians and we're gonna take it verse by verse and chapter by chapter and we're gonna see how Jesus is not just part of our real life, but we wanna see why it's so important that Jesus is a part of every part of our real life. So it's kind of a launching pad from this series into the next. And so I hope that you will be here this next week. Now for us to follow Jesus in this way, it's going to cause us to answer this question. Do I trust God? Do I trust him? Do I trust him with my life? Do I trust him with different areas of my life? And that's where we finish this series called A Christian Atheist is one who says, I believe in God, but I don't trust him fully. I believe in God, but I trust him in parts of my life, but there are areas of my life that I'm not yet willing to trust in you. And one of the reasons that we have a hard time trusting in God is because we're Americans. And as Americans, we are independent. We're taught to try to not need other people, other things, you know, in our lives that we can do it on our own. And yet God talks about interdependence, a dependence on him, which means that we're actually going to have to let go of something that many of us, including myself, have a hard time. And we have to let go of control. Control. Yeah, this one's going to be a fun message today. Control. Control fact, on social media, I asked this question, what was or is something hilarious that you've actually tried to control, this illusion of control? Well, Kenny wrote, I tried controlling my weight, but the force of pizza and cheeseburgers is fierce. All <laughs> right. So yeah, some of you relate, amens, you know, to that. Matt wrote, uh, yelling at the TV during Seahawks games. Uh, like they're going to hear me and say, yes, good play call, couch coordinator, or run the ball instead of pass from the goal line. And then he wrote, too soon? Yes, Matt, it is always too soon. Never, ever bring that up again. Jason wrote two words, my bladder. Bladder. Now, we don't have the time, or it's probably not the appropriate setting of all of the bladder stories, you know, that people have or situations that they have found themselves in when it comes to that. So instead of doing that this morning, I'll leave that to your table time, you know, at your dinner table or in your small groups this week. Have fun with that conversation. Uh, Jessica wrote, my face during a sneeze. My face. Try, <laughs> try to control your face during a sneeze. Uh, Susan wrote only two words. She said, my cat. My cat. Hard to control is her cat. No, Susan. Your issue is not that you can't control your cat. Your issue is you have a cat. That, that, that's, a, that's your issue. <laughs> Yays and boos. I love it. You know, just like America, divided right down the middle. Uh, Matt wrote this. I don't even know how to say the word. I had a Samoyed. I think that's how you say it. A huge sled dog. Uh, and I tried to control him on a leash while rollerblading once. Wasn't pretty when he pulled me head first, Pete Rose style, off the path through the nasty geese and their muck. She was very polite as he wrote that as well. Uh, the number one answer that was given over and over and over had to do with people. It was people. It was either spouse, friend, child. Those are the answers. I cannot control this person. In fact, the more I try to control, the less I actually feel in control. Understand this. God's desire is that we would trust him completely with our lives. We trust him completely with our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but I personally, my personal uh, issue of control is I have a hard time letting other people drive, right? The whole take the wheel, you know, I'll let Jesus take the wheel, but other people, you know, uh, allowing them, you know, to drive, Uh, more specifically, my wife. Uh, um, So I don't remember the last time we were in a car together where I was not driving. Uh, if if the times that we were, I'm white knuckling it, you know, the whole time, not because she's a bad driver, maybe, uh, but, but more, I'm going to get in trouble for that one. I don't think she's in this service. Don't tell her. Um, (laughs) But more, because I was a junior in high school and I remember being in the passenger seat, and there was a girl that was driving. And while she was driving and we're listening to music, she decided to reach down and grab the next cassette tape that she wanted to play. When she reached down, she went like this. And so she naturally, then we went off into the sidewalk, into a kind of a rock embankment. I was sitting on that side, and so never ever again. So maybe that's my issues. I'll see counseling for it later. Like I said, God's desire is that we would trust Him completely, but it's hard isn't it? I mean, it really is hard. I mean, if I were to be honest, I'm good with trusting God as long as he's leading me and directing me in the way that I want. Then I'm good with it. Hey, God, if you're leading me in the path that I think I should be led, then I am fine. But if you take a detour, you veer off, something doesn't add up to my brain or my liking or my understanding, then forget it. Or it's hard time. I want to wrestle back control with who is in charge of my life. And I don't think I'm alone. In fact, most of us, if we were to be honest, and I do mean us, live a partially surrendered life. If you follow, call yourself a follower of Jesus, you live a partially surrendered life. In fact, if we were to rewrite a famous verse in the Bible, it may be more accurate to read it like this. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Lean on your own understanding. In some of your ways, acknowledge Him, and then you can make your own path straight. We call that the PSV version of the preferred standard version. You know, it's the whole rewriting according to actually what's real in our lives. See, there are parts of our lives that it's not easy to let go, let, let God take control. There's other parts that it's fairly easy to let him. So we wrestle with this. Let me kind of put a few things in your mind that may be true in your life. For example, God, I'll give you an hour for church a couple times a year, maybe once or twice a month, But don't ask me to be in a small group or another time commitment. I've got other things, other priorities in my life. See, who's in control? Uh, Maybe you're a person who says, I'll give you some prayer time, God, uh, or some Bible reading, but I'm not going to let you influence my calendar. See, I want you to put you in this box, you see, based on my time and my understanding. Or, or God, I'm going to trust you by allowing you to save me. In other words, I'm going to put my trust, I'm going to pray a prayer, but I'm not going to trust you with my kids. I don't trust you with that. I, I trust you with, with me, but not them. Or, or, or God, I'll, I'll follow you know, uh, and do what you ask uh, through the church. I'll even follow them on social media, but I'm not giving my time. I'm not giving my money either. Don't ask me for that. That's, that's too much. Or, or, God, I'm worried about this. I have anxiety about this, so I'm going to give it to you. You're taking too long, so I'm taking it back. Right? Right? <laughs> so and you didn't do it the right way so obviously i'm gonna give it to you take it back give it to you take it back or i can ask you god to forgive me but do not ask me to forgive what that person has done or said to me most of us want god on our terms but we do not want him on his we want him on our terms so allow me actually in the reality of that to give us some encouragement this morning we all struggle in our faith we all struggle in our faith the danger of our faith is not in the struggle, the danger is when we stop struggling. The danger is when we all of a sudden just, just go plateau, we just go, I've arrived, or I'm fine with where it is. The struggle is actually part of the journey. Let me give you, a, you know, an example. Uh, Peter uh, was a super close follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, this is the one of, uh, the guy that Jesus said, on this, on this rock, I'll build my church, he's the rock, he's a leader and that kind of stuff, but I love Peter. Because he, like me, has foot and mouth disease sometimes. And he does some things because he's sold out for God, but he finds himself just doing some stupid things as well. I mean, you look at Peter's life, and here's the guy who is a fisherman. He's with his, you know, eleven other guys, and they're crossing the lake, and a storm comes up. Jesus is not with them, he's off praying, and they are fearing for their lives. And in the midst of fearing for their lives, they look out and there was what appears like a ghost walking toward them. So now they're really terrified. And they look up and, and it's Jesus who's walking on water. And, and he looks at them and says, it's I. And so Peter says, first one to speak, if it's you, tell me to come out. So Jesus says, all right, come on out. So Peter gets out of the boat and he begins to walk on water until he realizes that the wind and the waves and this is impossible. I can't believe this is happening. He takes his eyes off Jesus and he sinks, yells out, save me, Lord. Jesus reaches down and grabs him and saves him, which is... A fascinating statement for Jesus to then say, why such little faith? Why did you doubt? And you're like, little faith? He's the only one that got out of the boat. I mean, are you kidding me? What about those other 11 yahoos who stayed in the boat just watching it all happen? But that's what he went back and forth. Peter is also the guy who said, you're Jesus. You're, you're the Christ. You're God in human form. You're the Messiah. And, Peter, and and Jesus is like, man, God has revealed this to you. And Peter's like, yes, nailed it. And just a few sentences later, Jesus says, I gotta go to Israel. I gotta go to Jerusalem, I'm gonna die. He's like, no, you're not gonna go to Israel. And Jesus looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. And you're like, whoa, okay, one thing I said right, other thing I said wrong. Uh, Peter's the guy that says, no, 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 all these other guys may fall away, but not I, Lord, I will not deny you. There's no way. In fact, I'm gonna take matters into my own hands. And he does, right? They come after him. But he's terrible at a sword wielding. He cuts off a guy's ear. He's a fisherman, not a sword wielder. Jesus heals that. And so he's like, okay, I wasn't supposed to do that. So he follows Jesus and he denies him that night. The only one of the disciples to verbally say, I never knew the man. See this back and forth, Peter? But I love him because he gives me hope for my own faith. He he gives me hope that it's in the struggle that I continue to trust with where God has me and where I continue to need to be for him. And so I wonder for you, what area do you struggle the most with trusting God? You may not be a follower of Christ today, and you came because of a, an event, you know, that your kids or a neighbor friend asked you to be. And so you might say to yourself, oh, I, I don't know, but I want you to process this too. And so what area do you struggle the most with trusting God? Fill in this blank. I don't fully trust God in or with what? Now, some of you, it's going to be a long list. It's immediate. Others of you, you need some examples. Like, like for, for example... Uh, you don't, you trust God with your kids. You have a hard time fully trusting other kids, their present, their future. For some of you, you, you may wake up every day battling fear and anxiety, not knowing if today is going to be a good day or when things do not go well. You have a hard time even getting through those things. For some of you, it's your marriage. To say, I have a hard time trusting on my marriage. I just don't know if this thing's going to make it. For others, it's money. Uh, number one reason for divorce is because of, finances and the lack of communication when it comes to those things. It's interesting that the Bible talks more about that than almost any other subject. We have a hard time saying, God, I'm going to trust you with this. This is an area I can control. For others, it's an addiction that you think you can handle. And you've told yourself and told others, I got this. But every day and every week and every month that goes by where you keep struggling but you don't overcome, you find yourself saying, God, I have a hard time trusting you in this. For some of you, it might be your business You know, or your future or your health. For some of you, it's just your life. Uh, In other words, God, I, I don't trust you because when I've ever been a part of your church when I was a kid, I got hurt by the church or the people who said they were followers of you. So if these people are the ones who represented you, I want nothing to do with you. You find yourself here today processing. Is that really true when it comes to God? And so, what I want you to do is fill in this blank. I don't fully trust God in or with what? Uh, And let me be honest, you know, for a second, something that I've experienced with that's come up recently, probably within the last year or so. And, you know, our elders know, and most of our staff know. um, And I don't need a lot of emails, you know, about this as well. You know, I don't need to fix it, you know, chain or any of that kind of stuff. I know what happens whenever I share something like this. A lot of people got answers. I know because I'm that person too. Uh, I, I struggle with anxiety. I've never been an anxious person. Uh, all through my life, my, my mom would call me what me worry shields, you know, It'd be like I'd, I'd go through life, I'd be fairly driven on some goals and objectives and different things, but I'd never show with anxiety. And now I find myself in meetings, sometimes preaching, always on planes, you know, where all of a sudden uh, my heart will begin to race. I'll begin to sweat and I'll have these things called minor panic attacks that'll begin to happen out of nowhere. Here's the most frustrating part for me. My brain is trying to tell my body what's wrong with you. And my body is trying to tell my brain, no, what's wrong with you? We're trying to help each other and I feel like I'm caught in the middle. So I'm going through this this, this situation so I know that that's an area in my life that's come up within the last year or so that I'm on a journey with as well. Saying, God, what are you either trying to teach me or what is it that I need to continue to surrender to you? You you see, once you've identified or God was, was revealed, then you can answer this next question. How then do we develop a wholehearted trust of God? How then do I develop a wholehearted trust of him? Now, let's go back to that famous verse I said that was our preferred standard version. Let me tell you the real version because I think within this verse, it actually unpacks it for us and it gives us the way forward. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. See, there's a challenge and then there's a promise. And so let's just break apart this for just a second to say, here's a pathway forward for us to trust God. How do I trust him? Well, it first says with all of my heart. So it starts by daily giving over my heart to God. It's a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer of saying, God, not my life today, but yours. The heart was the center of, the, of, of, the, of a person when it comes to understanding the Bible. It wasn't just emotions. People didn't live their lives just based on how they felt one day or not. You have to wake up with the commitment because our heart is fickle it's prone to wander. It's prone to leave the God that we love. It's prone to go this way and that. And so you actually have to say a prayer of surrender on a daily basis, if not much more, to say, God, my heart is yours today. (coughs) I choose you. And so it's that prayer of surrender uh, even beyond these church walls. Then it says, do not depend on your own understanding. In other words, lean daily on God's wisdom and understanding, not on yours. More often than not, We lean on God's understanding when we've come to the end of our own understanding. When we've come to the end of our own wisdom, our own way of doing things, then we're like, God, now I will lean on your understanding. And what God is saying, no, trust me, you know, go to my word on a regular basis. I I mentioned this to you before when I grew up in church, uh, the the Bible as a kid was taught to me, it's the B-I-B-L-E, it's basic instructions before leaving earth is what it was told to me. And then I was taught a song. It's the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone. Yeah, there's a couple of you weirdos like me. I like it. Some of you guys are sitting back like, this church is crazy. I'm out of here. (laughs) Sunday school, you missed it. It's good stuff. So it's the Bible. You're just trying to ingrain in me because I can't depend on my own understanding that God actually wants a direction and a path for me, but I got to understand his direction and his will, not the culture's. Not my understanding what is his and lean upon him through his word, through his people, through his Holy Spirit, which, which we receive when we receive him. Then it says, seek his will in all you do. Let me be honest. This is the hardest part of all three. See, the first two is easy. In other words, I can daily pray, God, take my heart, take my day. This is yours. I can do the second one. I can open up God's word. I can read it. I can, you know, try to apply some of those things. But the third part is actually to say, God, your will, not mine. That is hard. It's surrendering myself. Now, it's okay to have plans. People say, well, what about the plans? Are we not to ever have plans? No, no. We're supposed to have plans. We're supposed to have thoughts. We're supposed to have, you know, ideas in our lives, but we're supposed to hold them like this. Most of us hold them like this. Say, God, no, no, these are my plans. Don't mess with my plans. Don't mess with my day. Don't mess with the direction of my life. Don't mess. I have it mapped out because you are an American. Supposed to have it mapped out. Financial planners. Tell us from the very beginning, think with the end in mind, and there's some real wisdom in that, but only when we do it like this, (coughs) we say, not my will, God, but yours be done. So that allow we have to do two things when we do this. Number one, God, have I even prayed your will before I even plan this? Secondly, in the course of a day, do I trust you with it? You know, do I trust you with it? By the way, do never eat peanuts before you go speak. (laughs) Words of wisdom, Right? (laughs) Didn't think you'd leave with that nugget today. (laughs) So God's will versus my will. And that is the hardest part. And then it says, God will show you which path to take. So he then reveals the path and direction in life if we do these things. And it is not easy. It's going to take a step of faith. It's gonna take a step to trust him in that. Most of us want God to prove himself so that we can trust him. Most of us do. In other words, we say, God, (coughs) if you will do these things, this, 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 then I will do this. If you do these things, then I will do this. It's almost like we are the kid on the side of the pool that's never jumped in water for the first time. And there's dad saying, jump, you got this. (coughs) You can do it. Jump, you got to jump. And you're sitting there going, well, dad, if you grab me first, then I'll jump. And God's like, no, Jump, you're gonna to have to trust me. You're gonna to have to trust me. You're gonna to have to take the leap. Now, it's hard. It's hard to take that leap off the swimming pool in dad's arms. Why? Because we're afraid. What if he won't catch me? We feel out of control. We feel anxious. We feel like we've tried in the past and we've been hurt or burned. So many things. And again, we're not alone. Let me give you one of the most encouraging passages in all of Scripture. Some of you guys may not even know this is in there. There's a guy who had a child who was demon-possessed. Some of you can relate. (laughs) Yeah, You have a child, you know, who actually really was demon-possessed. And again, he tried everything to cure his child. I mean, how many of us would not do anything that we could in our power to love, help, and protect our kids? We'll do anything. So this guy has done everything in his power to help his poor child, and he hears about Jesus. And Jesus comes into town, so he brings the situation and the child to Jesus. The child says, what's been going on? And he goes right for the, for the worst thing that's happened. And in Mark chapter 9, verse 22, he says, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. Jesus replies, what do you mean if I can? Can. Jesus said, anything is possible if a person believes. Notice the father's response. He cried instantly out, and he says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I mean, how many of us have been there? Like Jesus, I, I want to believe, or in my head I believe, in my heart I believe. Now I actually have to take action and I have to believe. But in there I'm frozen. I do believe. I desire to believe. I want to believe. I think I'm in belief. Help me now to take the leap. Help me to take that next step. And what's cool about God is he answers this prayer even in our unbelief. And so even when we need help with belief, God says, I will be there for you. But we've got to take that leap. We've got to trust that he'll be there. Now, how many of you have ever heard of the African impala? African impala? got a chance to see that, you know, when I went to uh, Zimbabwe a number of years ago. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but did you know that the Impala uh, can jump over 10 feet high and at a distance of over 30 feet in one leap? In fact, uh, somebody was shooting some home video and caught a group of them on tape that we can watch now. So I want you to see, you know, as they fly, you'll see how much. There you go. Incredible when they are running and when they are jumping, it's absolutely amazing to see the speed and the distance in which they're going. (laughs) Some of you guys are like, "Why did everybody laugh?" Because there's a cheetah chasing them, you know. They got that. You know, I feel that's how they discovered how high and how how far you know that they could actually run. Here's what's fascinating about the Impala. When you go to zoos, you will find, especially in Africa and Europe and other places where they actually have the Impala there, that there is only a three foot high uh, surrounding or barricade of the Impala that is usually made of uh, steel, you know, rebar, maybe even, you know, cement. That's all it is. Three feet high. That's all there is. And you're thinking, wait a minute, if it jumps up to 10 feet, how come a three foot, why doesn't it just jump up and jump over? Here's what they found about the Impala. Their instincts... Is in most cases to never jump unless it first sees where its feet will land. The Impala will not jump, even though it could could provide freedom, because it cannot see where its feet will land. You realize that many of us are the same way. God, unless I know exactly how this is gonna turn out, I'm not taking the leap. Unless you reveal to me the end result or what this decision or what this commitment is going to be, I'm having a hard time trusting you and God's looking at us like the Impala. It's only three foot high. Trust me. Trust me. Some of us need to do that today. See, what is one step of faith that you can take today, this week? Just one step. Because here's what's cool. One step of faith When you say, God, I've been resisting control. I'm going to trust you fully with this one thing. All of a sudden, you realize, oh, I I can trust you in that. Then you begin to trust him in another thing, and then another thing, and then another thing. And then all of a sudden, no matter, the walls may get higher, and the difficulty may get bigger, but the trust gets stronger over time. Continue to struggle. What is the thing? As we go back to it, what is the thing that you need to let go and trust God? What is the thing that you need to say, I need to take a leap and trust him today? For some of you, it's gonna be a small thing, but it'll be significant. For some of you, it may change the direction of your life forever. In fact, as we wrap up this series and as we wrap up today, let me close with this scripture verse. Psalms 100, verse three through five says, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture enter his gates with thanksgiving and go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. What I believe, especially if you've been here the last couple of weeks, is hidden in this verse is the key to slaying the Christian atheists in all of us. What are we? We are his people, his sheep and his pasture. What are we asked to do? enter into his courts through his gates if you understand the old testament the only time sheep went into the courts or into the gates was on the day of sacrifice where they went and surrendered themselves to god you and i in the new testament are called to be a living sacrifice where daily we have to come and say i surrender I surrender because my will and God's will, there's a tug of war that goes on in our head, our hearts, and our actions. And we have to be willing to do this. We're never going to be perfect, but will we take the leap? Will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for today. And the chance to go on this journey with you. I pray, Father, that if there's someone in this room who's not yet received you, that today would be the day of salvation. And if you're here today and You realize that it's your life that you know you've been trying to control it all on your own and you know where that's led you so far that today there'd be a different option that you would let go and allow God to lead your life and if so if that's you I pray that you pray this prayer Jesus I receive you into my life as my savior knowing you died on the cross for my sins help me to make you my lord which is the boss of my every day God, for the rest of us, I pray that right now you'd bring to image that one thing. The one thing that we are trying to control that we need to surrender control to you. To trust you. Lord, in our hearts and minds, we hold that open to you. It's hard, Lord. It's hard as we surrender it to you. But we open it to you. and We love you and we're going to trust you.